This is a Charles Ruttenberg Realty Podcast, from Gulf Coast to Space Coast. This podcast is sponsored by Integrity Title and Guarantee Agency, LLC, where integrity is guaranteed. Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Webb, one of the assistant brokers at Charles Ruttenberg Realty, coming to you from the Charles Ruttenberg Studios in beautiful Clearwater, Florida. We have a very special guest joining us today, and that's the Honorable Mike Twitty, Pinellas County Property Appraiser. Welcome, Mike, and thanks for coming. Happy to be with you today. I want to take a quick second and just give you a little brief overview of some of the things and accomplishments Mike has. He was a senior managing director and principal of a successful residential and commercial appraisal firm based in Pinellas County. He's also a lifelong resident of Pinellas County, got his bachelor's degree from the University of Florida. Go Gators, majored in real estate and urban analysis, received his Florida real estate broker's license. He's a state certified general real estate appraisal and awarded the MIA designation. He's a certified Florida appraiser from the Department of Revenue. Mike, we're just so happy and you're so qualified for the job. I've never seen the credentials like this before. Just today, I thought we'd start with what is the purpose and overall function of your office? Sure. Um, we get asked that a lot. And a lot of people, obviously I get confused with the tax collector a lot. So, um, right in Florida, you have, um, five constitutional officers. You have a property appraiser, you have a tax collector, you have your supervisor of elections, the sheriff and the clerk of the courts. So you have one of those for each of your 67 counties. Um, so the duty of the property appraiser in, in that mix is to basically value every parcel in this, in your County, uh, in a fair and equitable manner. So we do that to the tune of about 450,000 parcels of real estate and 15,000, um, tangible personal property accounts that are taxable. So that's your, your business assets that are, that are tangible personal property. So we have to, um, value each one of those, um, as of January one, that's our effective date of value each year. And then our other duties are to, um, administer all the exemptions that people um, may be um, able to attain. So obviously the big one that most people are familiar with is homestead exemption. So that's the biggie, but there are a lot of others, um, senior, there's disability exemptions, um, and they, those come in different, different sizes and shapes. Um, other things we do that people forget about, we maintain the parcel maps. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the parcel maps for tax purposes. So... Uh, they're not surveys. A lot of people think we're the keeper of, of their survey. Uh, we do not have surveys. Right. In our you don't keep surveys on file, can we, you? We do not. We do not. We get called about that a lot. So um, if, if you need that, uh, talk. try to chase down your uh, last title company, see if they can point you towards who the last surveyor was. Um, but um, other things we do is um, we work with our legislators, our local delegation. Um, I work closely to try within our lane, you know, my lane as property appraiser right. to look out for our citizens and bring new things to bear that, you know, we're, we're not only a sounding board for our local delegation. So when something comes up that affects property value or property taxes on uh, taxation within our county or state, I want to be that resource they can call and rely upon to give them some, some fast facts or figures or, you know, say that's a really bad idea or that's a really great idea. 
Um, and right. so I've been right. trying to build that with, with our uh, delegation. I think I've done so. That's why we were successful getting three-year portability across the finish line last year. And and you kind of spearheaded that, didn't you? Weren't you on the on the, the cutting edge of that? I was. It was one of the things I, I recognized as soon as I came in. Actually, while I was running for office back in 2016, I saw, you know, the amount of activity we were having within the market, and I saw the amount of property that was changing hands, and I started to see the signs of where people were going to be losing their portability. Yeah, and explain and expand on that a little bit if you sure. can. The two years really wasn't a full two years, or how'd that work? Yeah, and that's that's where it got deceptive. Um, in statute, it reads you have two years to transfer your uh, Save Our Homes benefit, which we call port or portability, from one property to the next. However, it's really you always wherever whatever time of year you sell in, you have to roll back to the the prior January one to start the calculation because it's two tax years oh. and a tax year always starts on January one. So you're penalized the later in the year that you sell. Right. So you could really have had like a 13 month window for portability instead of a two full years. Correct? correct. You could literally be down to a year and a day would be the shortest. So um, one of the things I recognized was that, you know, we had a lot of people missing, especially people that were dealing with new construction Um that was an issue because you're, you're not getting houses built quick enough. So I said, well, we really need to restore it back to what the voters voted for back in 2008 when they approved portability. I know when I went in to vote then, I saw two years and I thought I was going to have a two-year window. And most people think rationally it's two years from when you sell your property. Right. Legislative uh, speak and reality speak are two different things two sometimes. Two different things. Yeah. That's right. So I said, well, the easy fix to restore that and always guarantee the minimum of the two years that people thought they voted for is to add a year. So it's a two to three year window instead of a one to two year window. So that way, you know, even a worst case scenario, you're going to get a minimum of two years. That's great. And, and Mike, your reputation out there is one that's fighting for the, for the customer and the customers, the homeowners and the, the taxpaying citizens in your, your world. Uh, Mike, is there any other exemptions that you think realtors maybe are forgetting to tell uh, their clients about or clients aren't aware of other than Homestead that um, people are leaving on the table? Um, well, Homestead is obviously the biggie. And, and port is something they, they certainly want to remind their sellers. So if you have a seller, um, they, they need to remember they still need to refile for Homestead for their new property. A lot of people think it's going to transfer automatically. Right. They do. It does not happen. So a lot of people will miss a year or two before they realize they didn't reapply for homestead. So now they've waited, you know, another year or two before they've established their save our homes cap on that prop- property, which is going to cost them some money. So it's a it's a great tip for realtors to remind them to to file for homestead right away. Um, other exemptions that are out there, um, you know, I, I recommend going to our website and really looking over. There's a, a pretty long laundry list of, of different exemptions that uh, people can qualify for. There are income limitations on several of them, especially the, the low-income senior um, exemptions. There is a brand new one that the city of St. Pete just adopted as of this year, and that's a low-income senior long-term residency exemption. Oh, really? So if you're 65-plus, your home is – is valued by our office at under $250,000 and you've lived in that home for 25 years or more and you meet the income uh, requirement, which is in the neighborhood of 32,000, 
then you could qualify for it. And it would exempt them from all municipal taxes. So in the city of St. Pete, that's about 30% of your tax bill. That's great. You know, I know the intent was to not tax people out of their homes when we got uh, portability and save our homes was uh, brought into play and they doubled the homestead. So, you know, we don't ever want to tax people so much that they can't afford to live here anymore. Absolutely. What about the first responders? Can you expand on that? I think there's some exemptions out there now for first responders that um, is, is somewhat new. There are. They, they started to align some of those with some of the veteran exemptions. There's still their disability um, exemptions, and some do have um, – there, there are some total – it's related to total and permanent and what percentage of disability you have. There's a lot of minutia that gets into those okay. as far as how the qualification works. So, again, we've got a, um, we've got a great series of brochures on our website as well as just the normal HTML web content that they can pull down. But they can pull down, and you can print them out or email to your customers – uh, flyers on personal exemptions, which address all of the the um, the various personal exemptions. There's one on just that has homestead and portability and save our homes, has all that information. And there's another one that just deals with veterans and um, and our first responders. Right. As far as realtors go, it's a great way to reach back out to your clients, contact them, and a reason to uh, provide them some some more service. Absolutely. Um, could you? Talk to us a little bit about how you guys, um, I know it's different than commercial appraisers, or, or I think you call them fee appraisers. Um, how do you guys establish a value on, on properties? And Sure. Um, well, we still, we rely on the three approaches to value that are, you know, the fundamentals of, of appraisal theory. So your, your sales comparison approach, which is what most people see in the, um, in the residential world. They're looking at comps. Right. right. Um, you have the cost approach. And you have the income approach. When you get into residential owner-occupied housing, typically only the cost and the sales comparison approaches would have any bearing. And cost approach usually doesn't have much bearing unless it's a new newer property. Okay. So, um, you know, in the in the out in the fee world, in the you know the outside um, of of government world, um, you're, they're leaning really heavily on the market approach. Uh, we're usually doing a a reconciliation between the cost and the market because when the market's very active, you might lean heavier towards the market. But if the market starts to slow down, then you might have to start leaning more on the cost because you won't have enough sales um, that are comparable to the properties and you're trying on to what's compare. what's going on out there in the economy. It's funny. I found, uh, you know, uh, homeowners, when, when they had no intention of selling, boy, they were really complaining about the value that you put on it. Then once they go to sell, they go, ah, my property's worth more than that. What, what's going on with the appraiser site? So Absolutely. It's, it's trying to keep them happy. Isn't That's it? right. It's, you, we can't win. You know, <laughs> we got them coming from both sides. So so the other question here, and, and without getting too deep and too complicated, I know you can have them contact you numerous ways through the website, calling your office and email. But they see three agents will come in and they say, I see a just value, an assessed value, and a taxable value. Can you clear that up for us a little bit? Sure, sure. So just value is our estimate of market value. Um, that does already account for typically for a cost of sale adjustment. So that's why it's usually a little less than the number we come up with. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that gives us a little room there. That helps keep us, you know, a little buffer so we don't get completely overwhelmed at value adjustment board time, those types of things. We you know, have a little, little bit of a cushion there. Um, and I think that's 
quite fair. You know, typically, you know, most people are not going to sell for what we have their just value at. Right. Um, you know, there's a, they're mad now. at us when they see your just value. That's funny how that works. So if I'm reading here, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but the just value is kind of a baseline for you guys to start moving forward from there, correct? Right. That's our starting number. So that, you know, we get to a hundred percent number, then we take a cost of sale adjustment, and then that creates our just value. So we call that just market value. Um, that's how the legislature defined it. And then, then your assessed value is the next number. And, and when you buy a new property and you cross the first January one right. under your ownership, your cap is going to reset. So if you were benefiting from the homestead, uh, save our homes benefit from the prior uh-huh. property owner, all of a sudden you're going to see the assessed value go up and match the just value. So in your first year of ownership, those are going to be one in the same. Um, then your exemptions apply. So if you have a 50,000 homestead, then that comes off your adjust value okay. to bring your taxable value down. Gotcha. And then your taxable value times your millage rate is what generates your tax bill. Gotcha. So if you're selling, you're worried about your just value. When you're paying your tax bill, you're worried about that bottom one, the taxable, the taxable value. value. Correct. And then over time, that assessed value, because of the Save Our Homes cap, you know, it can't increase more than 3% or CPI, whichever is less. So in an active market like we're in now, you can see that just market value start to pull away and create what we call that save our homes differential or save our homes benefit, which is your port amount. Building building your cap, so to speak, in your Correct. language, in your world. Okay, so last year, um, as, as you and I were discussing earlier, what did you see across the uh, the board as far as an increase in property values? And then you take mm-hmm. that that three percent cap versus what you value, what you think we went up countywide, and that builds your cap, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. So last year, countywide taxable value increased um, a little over seven percent on average. Okay. Uh, countywide, some jurisdictions were obviously higher. We had some that were, you know, in the neighborhood of ten percent, and some as low as you know in the five percent range. So um, this year, we it's really interesting because huh. of COVID. We when we first started talking to the count, to county government and their office of management and budget, they like to do like six year projections. So <laughs> they're coming to us, at, you know, the day after we all shut down for COVID and they're saying, okay, we need a forecast for the next six years. I go on value. I'm <laughs> like, uh, I don't think I could do that yet. Well, last um, year in April, I, I had a business strategy that I better get a job. And, you know, by the <laughs> time June came around, I thought, thank goodness I'm in real estate. So right. I call it the Florida COVID land rush has happened. It is happening. That's for sure. Um, we're seeing, I, I talk to brokers all the time and we're seeing 50% or better of the buyers coming from, from out of state um, of, of the ones I've been talking to. So, and that's up from, you know, what might normally, normally be more like 20 or 25%. Right. So that's obviously driven our inventory down to, you know, record low numbers. Yeah. As we all know, I, I feel the calls every day wondering where we can get inventory. I'll run to wrap this section up with if somebody had um, an issue or, or didn't agree with your evaluation and thought it was too high, what would be their, their recourse? Call us up. Um, come in. We'll, we'll get you with uh, you. Will, you can either come in. We have a lot of ways you can you can either talk to us on the phone. We'll get you with your area appraiser and you'll have a conversation with them either on the phone. We've got the ability to send you a uh, team's notification if you want to do an online virtual uh, face-to-face meeting, you can do that. 
or you can come into our office and have a meeting. That's great. And, and so we like to have informal meetings um, well before value adjustment board time. We, we understand we're valuing 450,000 parcels and, and you're using statistical modeling to do so. You know, we'd have to have thousands of employees if we were actually going out and doing independent fee appraisals on every home. Right. We can't do that. We're having to use mass appraisal um, theory to do that. So we, we build statistical models um, to grab all those comparable sales and, and run those cost approaches and, and arrive at those numbers. And you're going to have outlier properties that just don't fit the mold that well. And when you get those, um, and we have certain ones that, you know, recur each year and we keep an eye on those because we know they don't fit in the model as well. But if you run into one of those situations or somebody's modified a property in a way that maybe we're not aware of yet, we, we encourage you to contact us early. Um, you know, best time is usually June, July or the best months. Um, because by then we've pretty much established the values for that current tax year, but we're still before trim season or, you know, when we actually produce the, um, Notice of proposed taxes, and because those come out in in August, is that that thing that says "Do not pay"? This isn't a bill, and I throw it, it in the garbage. Exactly. That's yeah. That's that thing. Okay. Yep. And we encourage you to look at. There's a lot of information on there that has those numbers you were talking about: your just value, your assessed value, your taxable value. It it lists all of your exemptions. Because one thing you'll know for for protection reasons, we don't post everybody's exemptions, their personal exemptions on the website. We show whether you have homestead or not, but we don't show all, you know, widow, widower, um, you know, all right, the various personal safety. Yeah, correct. But it's on your trim notice. Okay, great. So a uh, little note, everybody open that thing that says, do not pay. This is a bill. That's your trim notice. And if you're going to uh, have an argument at your office, you need to read that first. Correct. And it has the information about, you know, if you're, if you're not happy with your value at that point, you can file a petition to go to the value adjustment board. That process is administered by the clerk. It's independent from us. We show up, um, the citizen shows up or whoever their representative is, and it, it's before a special magistrate. So it's a quasi-judicial type format. It's very informal compared to, you know, going to court. And there's, it's just the, the cost of a filing fee, which is $15 for the petition. Um, it's the cheapest time you'll ever get out of the court right, right. there. <laughs> well, the other th- information that's important on there is it shows all your taxing authorities. So all the, the various millages that make up your total millage rate will be broken down on there and it will show all those jurisdictions, those taxing authorities, where they hold their hearings and um, the date and the time of those. So if you want to go and, and to attend any of those hearings, if you've got an issue with your tax rate, because you know where you live can depend on, you know, make a big difference on what your tax bill actually looks like. If you're in the city of St. Pete versus unincorporated Pinellas County, well, you're going to see a, 12, a big difference. 12 to 13% difference right. just because of the millage rate. That's right. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to something I think is near and dear to your heart. And um, I know you're, you're making some tremendous strides in and you're really excited about on, on rolling this out. Um, talk about your website and what's going on. Well, um, I'm sure uh, some of our listeners out there have been to our website a time or two. We get about 1.3 million users to the site each year and a, oh, over wow. 50 million page views. If I had my way, more would be there. I tell agents, go to your site all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of great information on there. And I want to let everybody know that we have a, a state-of-the-art site getting ready to roll out. 
we're we're hoping to get it in the public's hands in the next you know 45 to 60 days it's going into external beta with with a lot of realtors already signed up um within the next few weeks so we um that will have all sorts of bells and whistles baked into it that have never been on a property appraiser site before it will have a a my location tool where you will literally be able to walk in and right on the home page you can touch the my location button and access that parcel record. So if you were in a commercial building or you're in a home, it will pull up the parcel basically where you're standing. Yeah, a little note to the agents out here. Um, it's a game changer. I uh, probably shouldn't say this, but I got a little sneak peek at it uh, a while ago. Just just a little 10-minute uh, look at, at it, and it's going to really be a game changer. In the 90s, dating myself here, when I started in this business, I was, I was telling Mike, I said, you know, I had the MLS pulled up and the property appraisers pu- site pulled up. That's what we lived off of. And, you know, that's how, how we figured things out and moved forward. Um, Mike, how is tech changing your job? Uh, it, do you see anything big? I, I mean, the website, obviously, full of tech. Is, is there anything else that tech is going to be incorporated in that you see coming around the pipe? Um, well, it heavily impacts our office every day. I, I'm I'm a big technology guy and always have been. And I've always thought um, real estate was a bit underserved by technology. It was a business that, you know, Wall Street had great tech tools way early on. You know, I always loved all their, all the, the, the web interface, um, real-time pricing and all the charts and graphs and just everything you could slice and dice. I think Bloomberg, and, that Bloomberg guy did pretty good with his little tech he tool, did, didn't he? He did. And I always thought, wow, you know, I thought real estate really needed all that stuff. And, and we're finally getting there. Yeah. You know, the, the, the price point came down to where it started to make sense to bring into our industry and, and the, the appraisers were kind of left behind in that, in that mix. Cause obviously sales is more important than appraisals um, <laughs> traditionally. And um, I've, I've felt that for a long time, but we don't, we don't have appraisals if we don't have sales. Right. <laughs> right. Right. They, they kind of, you know, they have to find a way to live, live together work together. But the, um, the tools that, that we are putting into place, we're constantly vetting new technology. And then we're always trying to push the, the tools that we've put into place, especially those, um, since I've been there over the last four years, we've put a lot of new technology in place and trying to maximize and gain those efficiencies. We've made so many process improvements as a result. For example, we've been able to bring our homestead approval time down to about 48 hours on 80% of our applications. Wow. We used to have stuff backed up, you know, for nine months or more. Doing it all by hand, right? Well, yeah, (laughs) kind of. Um, Stuff would just pile up. So we've changed a lot of processes. We've, we've, we've come up with smarter ways to, to get kind of the low hanging fruit applications that are, you know, don't have a lot of hair on them and we can clean them up pretty quickly. And that's about 80% and we can get those across the finish line a lot quicker because we recognize a lot of the phone traffic that we get is people just calling, checking on the status of their homestead application. They know if they're approved or not. Right. And they'll call every week, you know, until we get it done. So, so we've eliminated a lot of that, you know, when you can do that in 48 hours and what uh, what percentage, if you're, I'm sure you have these numbers, so I'm not going to ask you to guess, what percentage of people file Homestead online versus wanting to come in your office the old old school mm-hmm. way? It's about 50%. About 50%, okay. Right, and we really want to move that to about 80%. Keep, keep it efficient. Right, that, that's where we think, that we think that's the magic number we can ultimately get to. Um, and as part of the new website, it won't be in the first generation 
our first version that we roll out. We'll, we're still going to have our online application, our existing one, which is not as pretty as the, the rest <laughs> of the new website, will be plugged in temporarily. And we're going to be building our, our uh, latest and greatest in-house version that will handle every single exemption type. Right, from A to Z. And it's going to be smart. It's going to be a decision tree generated type of questioning. So it'll pick up as you're you're applying for Homestead and you put your date of birth in and all that. It's going to know, oh, you're over 65, so you might want – you may – need to apply for this, or you may be eligible for this. Might be eligible for another right. exemption. It, yeah. You know, it'll trigger those types of events. Wow. So that is so cool. And that's just the way things ever uh, going in the future and leverage our time and our resources. Technology is great for that. Okay, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to part one of Pinellas County property appraiser, uh, Mike Twitty. Uh, and please stay tuned for part two. I want to thank integrity title and guarantee as our sponsor, the Charles Ruttenberg Realty Podcast. Thank you.